0: We are Centre Point Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to encourage you to take your seats again. My name is Stuart Parker. I'm one of the members of the church, and with my wife Jean, we lead the pastoral care team. I'm going to be one of the leaders on the Freedom in Christ course, uh, which is coming up very soon. I think it's not this week, but the week after. So um, if you get bored during the preach, I give you permission to get your phone out and sign up to Freedom in Christ while we're we're going along. Um, The other thing you might be interested in is having a Bible. We're going to be going through Joshua 2 today. So if you want to put your hand up now, um, one of the welcome team will bring a Bible to you. And then you can check what I'm saying against God's word, which is always good to do. I'm um, going to be asking you to um, interact this morning uh, in a few minutes, write something down on the bit of paper that will be circulated. So um, don't um, drift off quite yet. Now, this is the second in our series on Joshua. Chris started last week with the first step, if you remember. And um, similar format, we'll be going through the passage a few verses at a time and then reflecting on what it says. So let's dive right in with Joshua chapter two and a couple first couple of verses. That's the title of our talk, God Welcomes the Most Unlikely People. Um, and Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So you can see on the screen, I've done a, I've got a little map out of a study Bible. Love study Bibles. They give you all this like, extra little stuff to bring it alive. So you can see dividing the map is the Jordan River. And on the east side, um, camped at Shittim is the people of God. That's, the, that's Joshua and his people. They're camped there. And they've been stuck on that side. And on this side of the River Jordan is the Promised Land. So the Jordan River kind of splits it in two. And you can see right in the middle there, the city of Jericho. And um, it's about 10 miles away. There's some sort of debate exactly where, where Shittim was, but maybe about 10 miles to the east of Jericho. So that kind of helps us to get our, our heads around it a little bit. But um, I don't know if you remember... If you were at West Point, I don't know if you remember Andrew Wilson's talk. And uh, there's quite a memorable line. He said, it's not about the mouse. Well, if we just think about what this story is about, it's not about the spies, I'm afraid. If, if you're thinking this is going to be some sort of James Bond espionage, um, these guys are not superheroes, I'm afraid. They're, they're clearly not masters of disguise, are they? So within moments of them sneaking into Jericho... They've, all, they've been discovered, they've tried to find a place to stay and lie low, but the king is aware and knows exactly what they're up to. Um, and we might think back to Numbers 13, that Chris referred to last week. Twelve spies went out from um, the Israelite camp and came into this land and checked it out. And again, that was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it? Because most of them, all but Joshua and Caleb, came back trembling with fear Um, and discourage the people of God. So I'm afraid spying is not their forte. Um, Joshua 2, what we're looking at today, it's about uh, a fairly sort of unknown character called Rahab, the prostitute. And even more importantly, it's about the God who saves her. So that's what we're looking at today. Um, Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the outsider... Um, just going to go through a few ways in which Rahab almost epitomises the person at the fringe, the person at the edge, and that's a bit of a theme through the talk today: is um, being an outsider. So, first of all, she's outside the city wall, outside the inner wall. So Jericho was probably the earliest fortified city in the ancient world. Um, originally, they built an inner wall and. People who are kind of in favour and rich would be in there. And then there's a sort of outer wall and the poorer people would be kind of stuck out there. So it's kind of, um, that's where Rahab lived. And um, so she's kind of, she's in Jericho, but she's kind of on the edge of it. Rahab is also outside the law. As we can see, she, um, in the next few verses, she... um, She's, she's a traitor, really, to, to the king of Jericho and hides these people. Um, and so the law is not going to be on her side, I'm afraid. Rahab the prostitute, she's outside of respectability. So um, sadly for her, her, the way she's described throughout the Bible is Rahab the prostitute. Um, I'm sure in the life to come, Rahab will have a new name, a new title. But in the Bible, she's known by her profession, her past. Um, So she's not a respectable person. And finally, she is outside God's people. She's a Gentile. Later, she gets saved and and included. Um, But right now, she is not part of the uh, people of God. She's not under the protection of um, Joshua and his army. So... This kind of introduces this theme for us today of, the, um, of being an outsider. And what I'd like the welcome team to do now is to um, circulate the offering baskets. And this is the only time you get to take something out of the offering baskets, okay? <laughs> um, so you should find it. Just take one piece of paper and a pen if you need it. And what I'd like you to do is to complete this sentence. You don't have to write the sentence out. I sometimes feel left out of church because... And um, there's all sorts of ways in which people when they come to church or come before God feel like oh, not, I don't quite belong here, I feel a bit left out, or it might be because of your age or your gender, it might be what you've done in the past, it might be the way you speak or your education, it might be just kind of how confident you are in social situations, it might be your marital status might be, um, I don't know, how good you are with technology. When Chris says church sweet, maybe you think, what's that? Humbug or licorice all sort? Sorry, bad joke. Um, so, um, yeah, so, th- so try to be, you can be honest. This is, the idea of this is to help um, the whole church to see the ways in which um, people feel left out. Okay, we've had that little break from the passage let's return to verse 3 so the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them she said yes the men came to me but I did not know where they'd come from at dusk when it was time to close the city gate they left I don't know which way they went Go after them quickly. You might catch up with them. So don't be distracted here by Rahab lying. No, we don't need to sort of tut-tut and be distracted by that. um, This passage isn't a kind of an exploration of the, the morality of always telling the truth or not. The New Testament actually makes three references to the actions of Rahab in this particular account. And they're always positive. OK, so let's not be distracted by that. Um, let's just imagine the situation that Rahab's in. So she, um, citizen of Jericho, she kind of, she's been found out by the king who sends the soldiers. He has the power of life and death over her. Um, and we kind of, as I read this, kind of had that, those echoes of what we heard last week from Joshua 1. You know, Rahab, be strong and courageous. Um, But what's the source of her courage? Where does she find the courage to stand up and and trick the king? Let's carry on reading. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So there's just an artist's impression of of Rahab on the roof of her house, hiding the spies, and in the other corner, it's the same picture as before, Um, and the soldiers have gone gone that way towards the Jordan to catch up with the spies, who haven't really gone, but that's where they think they've gone, so they've They've kind of gone east and that's where they would have expected them to go. Verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og. The two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, your, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is, hev- is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Wow, what a, what an amazing statement of, of faith, isn't it? From Rahab, who probably doesn't know much about God, but she's heard some impressive things about what he's done. Um. she's heard of when God dried up the waters of the Red Sea. This is about 40 years beforehand. So for us, you know, this would be... I I don't know if you've heard of the winter of discontent in 1979. A few few people um, nodding when, like, bins were left out um, unemptied and, um, you know, the country was, was, was in a bit of a bad shape. And people sort of... Some older people particularly talk about that and they remember it. But it was kind of a lot of people. Well, you know that was a long time ago, Um, and that's the kind of amount of time we're talking back. Um, The people of God have been wandering the desert for 40 years. This happened all the way back then. Um, But the story of what God did for the people of God as they as they fled from Egypt and crossed to the Red Sea. That's that's still news. People have heard of that. They're still they say, wow. The God of the people of Israel is, is impressive. But more recently, um, what, what, what he did to Sion and Og. So these are two kings just to the east of the Jordan. And Joshua, um, Moses I think, leads two raids on, the, on those kings. And they're completely destroyed. And the people in Jericho and the surrounding nations can see that God is with them. And this has left... The, everyone in Jericho quaking, melting in fear. That's quite a powerful phrase, isn't it? Melting in fear. Um, they are in awe and wonder of someone far mightier than their king. They're not terrified about these spies who've come into the, into the city. They're terrified of their God. Whom do you fear? Do you, I've taken this picture from the West Point, uh, awe and wonder. Um, do you remember, those of you who went to West Point... We were encouraged to be overwhelmed with awe and wonder at our God, weren't we? And and this is Rahab's secret. She allows herself to be so in awe of the God of Israel that the anxieties around the soldiers and the king, they, they fade away in comparison. Another memory from West Point, I don't know if you heard Tim Blaber's talks in the morning on John 4, he talked about the Samaritan woman um, who came to the well when Jesus was there in the middle of the day. It was a strange time, he said, because she was um, afraid of other people's judgments and she steered away from other people. She avoided other people and came at quite an impractical time of the day. But she met Jesus there. She met the image of the invisible God. And... Her fears of men and women evaporated after that meeting with Jesus. And she ran back to the town to tell everyone about Jesus. Her fear was gone because she was in awe of Jesus. So there's an encouragement here to look beyond the authorities and the pressure of our society to fit in. Uh, with all the cultural norms, the apparent security of our world, you know, do we look around at the equivalent of the of the walls of Jericho and put our trust in them, or do we look beyond to the awe and wonder of our God? Rahab, as an outsider, almost has an advantage here because she's not so invested in in the society in terms of kind of their approval and. Um, her ambition's there. So she holds lightly to the world and she's able to sort of see beyond what's just around her. So whom do you fear? Let's come. We'll come back to that later, but we'll move on now with our verse 12. So Rahab secures a deal. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you says Rahab to the spies. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So Rahab asks for to be saved from death and it's interesting here to contrast Rahab's approach with the people of Jericho because everyone in the whole city was melting with fear but just being afraid of God isn't enough Rahab sought salvation from the destruction that she could see was coming she through the people of God she secured um, A rescue. So Rahab's story is our story. She says, give me a sure sign. And as as we read the, the New Testament, we see that God has sent a sure sign to us in his son Jesus who overcame death. What if God would save us from death? Well, through Jesus... Dying on the cross and rising again, he has shown us the way. He, through trusting in him, we can be saved from death too. And Jesus, this is kind of a picture of what Jesus does on the cross. The spies say our lives for your lives. But ultimately, Jesus on the cross gave his life that we might live. So what a picture this is, isn't it, of what Jesus um, does on the cross, and Romans says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as we read this story of Rahab, there's so much that points to what Jesus has done. Okay, so the spies escape, um, the drama continues. So she let them down by a rope through the window. For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. And you can see that in the picture. So her house would have been um, just built into the outer wall. She said to them, go into the hills so that pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. So um, back to the map, the the, the the soldiers have gone east, but... Um, Rahab um, is quite clever and she says, well, why don't you go, go west into the hills and hide there for three days and then go on your way. Now, the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you led us down. And unless you have brought your father and your mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. And so she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And this... um, This is kind of an amazing reference back 40 years, again, to that escape from Egypt. Um, Do you remember all those plagues that Moses um, brought to to Pharaoh? And the final plague was the killing of the firstborn, the ultimate plague, where the angel of death came to every household in that land and the firstborn died. And the, the way that the angel of death was going to pass over the Jewish houses. Um, They had to make specific arrangements and each household had to sacrifice a lamb and paint the scarlet blood around the doorframe. And again, that's a, a prophetic image of Jesus covering us with his blood on the cross as God's judgment passes over. And so this is like Rahab's own Passover arrangements Um, she has to tie a cord, um, the the, the colour of blood, on the outside of her house so that destruction will pass over her. And in a few weeks we'll hear about how everything in Jericho was destroyed apart from this household because because this household was was shown to be putting its faith in, in God. Okay, let's move on to the last few verses. When they left, they went into the hills, the spies, and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands, all the people are melting in fear because of us. So there you go. Final, um, final journey for the spies from the hills in the west all the way back to the camp um, where Joshua and the people of Israel are waiting for them. So, so let's, let's look a, a little bit at um, Rahab and how she trusted in god she transferred her loyalties to a foreign people and their god she didn't actually she did not discount herself because she was a you know a woman of ill repute or because of her reputation or her origins she she maybe sensed that god can use anyone she had the courage to mislead the authorities for a greater good She waited patiently for the spies to return with their armies. Sometimes trust can just be waiting, can't it? Waiting for God's timing. She obeyed the spies' instructions to hand the scarlet cord. She was obedient to the specific things that she needed to do. So there's Jericho again. Um, The inner wall, apparently there's been a lot of archaeological digs in the city of Jericho. The inner wall was a metre and a half thick. Um, possibly the most secure place, humanly speaking, in the ancient world. But as we'll find out in chapter six, it was nothing before the power of God. It's not enough for us to melt in fear before God. Uh, We need to transfer our trust to God like Rahab did. And her actions demonstrated, didn't they, the object of her trust. How do we? How do we trust? That can be quite a hard thing to get hold of. It was interesting having um, Hannah bring that that scripture to us early. The image of the invisible God. If we look to Jesus, if we read about Jesus, if we worship Jesus, he shows us who God is and everything about him. And um, Chris brought that uh, that picture of. Taking his son swimming, do you remember? And um, inviting his son to look, to look uh, in his eyes, and to trust. Where do you put your trust? Another reminder from uh, West Point. I don't know if you remember the uh, yeah that Andrew Wilson talk. You know, but we're we're just maybe we just feel like mice. Um, But let's remember who stands with us. Who who stood with the mouse? That made him confident. It's not a rhetorical question; you can uh, you can answer. Gruffle. The Graffoli, thank you. Yes, so um, it's not the perfect um, analogy for God, but it will do uh, for the for the sake of the uh, of the of the talk. So, um, a person who is powerful and and strong uh, stands with us. We don't need to trust in our own strength. Where do we put our trust? Do we trust in pensions and savings? Do we trust in the the locks on our doors? Do we trust, dare I say it, in the politicians? Um, Well, Rahab's actions demonstrated the object of her trust. She chose um, the spies rather than the soldiers. Humanly speaking, these these choices don't make sense, do they? She chose a foreign, distant people that she barely knew versus her own people. She chose to go to Israel's tents rather than Jericho's walls. She chose future hope versus the pressure to conform from where she was. And the New Testament commends her. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were unbelieving. So I just want to invite you now to... um, if you would like to reaffirm or affirm for the first time your trust in God, I just invite you to pray a prayer with me now to, um, to declare your trust in him. Father, thank you for what you have revealed about yourself, about how mighty and strong and good um, you are from your word. And Lord, we want to declare our trust in you. We want to hold lightly to the things of this world and we want to put our trust in you. May that may that not just be words, but may that be our hearts and minds. May that be our actions that reflect that we trust that you are with us and that you want good for us and that you will save us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So do you remember earlier you filled out... Um, some pieces of paper and Sean's been working very hard at the back to get some of them onto a slide and just invite you to have a look at what's up there and don't just look at oh has Sean got my what my one up there kind of thing, the idea is to kind of see the range of ways in, in which um, like Rahab was kind of the ultimate outsider what are the, ra- the range of ways that we today um, maybe feel excluded at church um, and And let's remember that none of these things need exclude us because God has a place for everyone who trusts in him. Maybe you feel excluded sometimes when you come to church. Um, Oh, wow, thank you. Look at that. I'll just give you a minute to digest that. So Sean's done a word cloud, so some of the bigger words are like ones that a number of people have said. So hopefully... What you've written is is up there in some shape or form and colour. And um, I just want you to firstly focus on what you wrote. How is it that sometimes... What's sometimes a barrier to you meeting with God, meeting with his people? And I just invite you to um, to surrender that to God. Surrender that being a barrier to him because Jesus has... Um, Jesus' arms are open wide for all and he doesn't want us to discount ourselves or be excluded for any reason if we trust in him. I just invite, invite you to join with me in prayer to offer that, to surrender that to God. Father as we think about maybe ways in which we sometimes feel on the edge, we sometimes feel excluded something about how we are or what we've done or how others see us how we feel Lord we just give that to you thank you that Jesus has taken all the shame on the cross and we just ask to be freed from that burden we thank you that before you none of us need be an outsider your arms are open wide for every single one of us and we want to embrace that and we want to let go of anything that hinders us joining with you and joining with your people amen and secondly um i want to bring a challenge i want you to have a look around that word cloud up there and not at what you wrote but what other people have written do we sometimes, when we come to church, do we sometimes just gravitate towards people like us, people we know, people that we naturally feel easy with? Um, does that, as you look at the ways in which people feel, sometimes feel excluded, does that, um, does that mean sometimes we leave other people out, maybe inadvertently? Well, let's remember this isn't our church. Centre Point Church is God's church, Jesus is the head of the church. Let us have open arms like Jesus had on the cross. As we start a new season of life groups and everyone's kind of joined life groups again, let us be open to new people. <coughs> As we come to Sunday services, let us be welcoming to people. I just wonder when when we had an opportunity earlier to kind of, talk to someone did we feel the pull to just talk with someone we knew or did we seek out someone uh, that no one was talking to if we have a coffee afterwards who will we go and talk to will we um, just talk to someone we normally talk to always find someone who is older or younger than us someone who's not been to church um, someone who's not very confident um, to say hi to it's not easy is it to put this into practice. Um, but let us, be, let us remember um, how Jesus went to the excluded and the people on the edge and, and his welcome was for all. Let us make contact with people throughout the week. Let's try to learn new people's names. But let's do business with God now. I just invite you to identify again from the screen one group of people where God is challenging you right now to be reaching out to them, to be more welcoming and more inclusive to them. i just um, ask you to, get, to ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you and just identify maybe one group of people. And, and in a minute, let's ask God together to give us hearts to be more intentional in stepping out and including them in the church. Let's pray that through. Lord Jesus, you are so welcoming and inclusive. And you challenge us to welcome others, even when it's hard. And we forgive us, Lord, for when we have just stuck with people that we know or are familiar or feel safe. And we just pray that you would give us the courage and the confidence to reach out to people different from us or people who are unknown to us and to make them feel welcome in your church. May this not just be an intention, may this be something we can put into practice, something that you remind us of, something that others can see in us. Give us your Holy Spirit to, to change us and give us hearts that love others in this way. Amen let us remember that God welcomes the most unlikely people people like us and he will welcome you too and let us remember these things as we worship him now. thanks for listening please do come and visit us Sundays 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford we look forward to seeing you